Welcome into Fantasy Focus Hey-o. Football. Today is Monday, August 21st. My name is Daniel Dopp, joined by Field GH. Today's show is presented by Geico. Switch to Geico, see all the ways that you can save. Field Yates, it's good to see your face, man, after a long weekend. How was your weekend? It, long. Let, let me be very clear. Uh, usually weekends feel like they're way too short. This weekend felt like it was way too long, and here's why, Daniel. Yeah. I may in some people's eyes, look like a young man. I am an old fogey now. And I think that officially happened 19 months ago today when I became a dad for the first first time. time. And we decided quickly in our family, like what's better than one kid is two kids because you know what is so overrated? Sleep. Yeah. All right. So a while back, my lovely wife, Chapin, hits me up and is like, hey, I, they have th- there are three concerts I want to see this summer. Yep. I'm thinking to myself, that's reasonable enough, right? Three concerts. Like uh, that, I like concerts in general. I like concerts in the summer as totally. well. Yeah. Uh, so three concerts. And um, upon further uh, inspection, I realized those three concerts were in back-to-back-to-back nights. Yes. This past weekend, I went to three concerts in three nights, Daniel Dopp. That's a lot. I am burnt out. That's not even a thing that I do on most weekends. If I, and then if I fall asleep during the show that is the reason <laughs> why. why but shout out to all the 06 owners that i saw i saw a ton of people at fenway park friday and saturday night for back-to-back concerts huge po- podcast fans up there it was great to see i loved answering random questions like someone would spot you from like you know seven rows away or like when you're walking to get into the stadium they're already in the line and you're walking to the back of the line and they'll just randomly shout out like i had a, a lot of b john robinson questions this weekend because Ooh, why not right and my wife and she we were, we were with a, 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 a couple's couple's friends and uh my wife and this was one of her bridesmaids who when the question was asked like is Bijan the pick yeah I swear this woman thought that someone was speaking a foreign language to her <laughs> She, she was like, what, like, what, what are we what, doing here? Is that Italian? Like, right. is that, uh, like what, what language was just spoken to you? Because Bijan meant nothing to her, uh, but it meant a lot to that person in the line. So shout out to everybody who was asking the questions this weekend. And, um, again, if I fall asleep during the show or if anybody has coffee to send my way, let me know. I'm so ready for it. So Rosie and I were sitting on the couch this weekend. Okay. We were watching. Well, sounds like going to three concerts. It was yeah. pretty great. The uh, exact opposite. We were watching Inside the Den, episode four, Inside the Den. The Lions put out a new ep- uh, episode every couple of weeks. Yeah. And as we're catching up on all the behind the scenes from the lions i'm I'm scrolling through my instagram feed Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden i see field yates standing there at a concert yeah with dan orlovsky yeah dano was there and i was like you know what now i get how a field feels when mike and i talk about going to bowling without him yeah there you go it hurt finally i was like man field this is my thing and you went to concerts with Dan Orlovsky. The yeah. wrong Dan. It oh. wasn't even the right one. Dang, I'm sorry about that. Yeah. So, Great time with Dano. Who's dude, the man? It looked like it was so much fun, though. Honestly, like, other than the fact that you did not sleep the entire weekend, have yeah. you ever done three concerts back to back to back? No, like, I, this, this is was, what fish fans do for a living. I was going to say, like, I never went to Coachella, but I felt like I went to Coachella that's this it. weekend. Oh, is that I right? Coachella, that's still a thing, right? I don't know if it's still a thing, but it was for a while. It lives in our hearts. Every year, I get, you know, my group of friends are like, are we doing Coachella this year? And every <laughs> single time, I was not available for one reason or another. Yeah. But uh, I feel like I've got some FOMO. I've got some FOMO for those that have done long weekends, whether it's Coachella or one of those uh, week-long shows. um, I miss those days. Yeah, me too. Field, we got a bunch we're going to talk about on today's show. Okay, yeah, got a little bit of news that we are going to get into off the top, and then we're going to talk about sleepers, breakouts, and busts. One of the shows that everybody is always asking about. Yep, we're going to talk about what those terms specifically mean. But before we get into any of that, Field Jates. 
Quick bit of news. Yeah, a little bit of news. This one comes via the uh, Las Vegas Review, uh, Las Vegas Review Journal, and yep. uh, the headline is that it sounds like Josh Jacobs uh, will end his holdout and report to the team prior to Week One. I'm nervous uh, they about play the that. Broncos in Week One. Why? Tell me I, why. I yeah. just I'm nervous about the fact that it says expected to. Yeah, I mean, I think you always want to stop short of guaranteeing something because a player could certainly change his mind, um, and and that has happened many times before. Um, I just want it to be sooner rather than later, in part because like I want that return to play to be like you got to get ramped back up, right? Yeah. Like you know, the sooner you're on the field, the sooner that we <clears throat> feel like you're going to be the player that you were last year. Yeah. Nobody touched the ball more than Josh Jacobs did last yeah, year. Yeah, so, so there there are some red flags still here, right? As you said, like it's not it's not like he has shown up already. He's not there on the Raiders practice field today. Uh, moreover, uh, if he does. Show up the week of the first game are we certain that josh jacobs is going to play in that first game like is there a football conditioning aspect here yeah um and so it's you know i'd mentioned uh, early in the season like how i thought josh jacobs would show up right around right before the start of the regular season and i had said like my concerns were fairly minimal but this does sort of like it it it, there are still some things that i want to keep an eye on here specifically not just the conditioning part of it but this is something we've discussed previously as well is like if he does return and what you are concerned about, if you're drafting Josh Jacobs is mostly that like, if something happens, if a tweak takes place, mm-hmm. is that tweak going to cost him a month or is it going to cost him a week? Like Josh Jacobs, as we know, it's a tough dude. Yeah. Remember he broke his shoulder as a rookie and was like, I think he wanted to keep playing through play it. Through it. Yeah. Right. So like, and I'm not blaming him in this regard. It's different when you are a rookie who's got three plus years left on your contract as opposed to a guy in a contract year after a very uh, difficult summer not getting that contract that you wanted the long-term deal like you have to look out for your best interest so that is where i think the conversation drifts to is how much risk is there involved drafting josh jacobs even if we do expect him to return the week of the season opener so i have moved him and jonathan taylor down to like the back end of my second tier of running backs like rb8 RB nine. I think truly, if you're the kind of person that wants to like avoid risk, Tony Pollard, Nick Chubb, players of that caliber, yeah. move ahead of the Josh Jacobs of the world. If you are okay with the risk, you might end up getting a tremendous value because if Josh Jacobs is anything close to what he was last year and he goes as RB nine as like pick 19 off the board. You might win your league because you got Josh Jacobs at the back end of round two. Yeah, it's a little bit of game of chicken right now in fantasy drafts, because if you decide to go that route and things work out, like you said, that value you're getting is just astronomically huge. Either one of those running backs and like I'm doing best ball drafts, they're easily falling to the third, potentially fourth round sometimes, Mm. which is crazy. Everyone's just afraid to be able to go that route. But yeah. I don't know. I like seeing that he's expected to be back with the team. We wanted to hear that. The NFL is always just more I mean, fun when forward, you have right? superstars playing with the team. Yeah, you know this elim- it does, it does not eliminate. Um, it is a it's it's a sign that he is unlikely to report at like week six. Now, Adam right. Schefter has told us this many times. Josh Jacobs is going to make five hundred and eighty eight thousand dollars for every game that he is on the team's roster. Right now, he is not on the roster because he has not signed his franchise tag tender. Correct. If you're a guy who wants a whole bunch of money. Are you going to skip out on $588,000 per week? I wouldn't. Most likely the answer is no. So this is probably expected for Josh Jacobs, but a conversation that we'll continue to have. And I think we're going to do another 
mock draft show at some point before the regular season. But the value you're getting in Josh Jacobs is hard to miss. I mean, he led, led the NFL with 1,653 rushing yards last season. He had 41 rushing attempts of at least 10 yards. He is a star player. There's no two ways about that. All right, let's move ahead and talk sleepers, breakouts, and busts. Alrighty. Field Jates. Yeah. As a part of this premise, I want to ask you, we're going to give some sleepers at every position. Yep. When we say the term sleeper, yeah. what does that mean to Field Jates? So I think there was a time, and I remember this like early in my fantasy football career and maybe even prior to that where the term sleeper to me meant the name that people hadn't heard of before that you could get in your fantasy draft and that player could really impact your roster i think with the advent of social media and just the nfl's rising popularity and frankly the growing popularity of fantasy football it's pretty hard for me to meet a fantasy football fan who's like let me get your sleepers for this season and for me to throw a name at them they're, they're like I have literally never heard of that person before. That happened to me one right. time this offseason. One time. Okay. Do you remember who the player was? Daenerys Prince. Okay. So Daenerys Prince. That is pretty sleeperish right like, there. Honest, yeah. Yeah. Because everyone else we've sort of heard of, we've talked about in our circles. That's all we do is talk fantasy football all summer long. And, and it's such a popular thing. So it's it's no longer the player that you have literally never heard of. It generally is the player whose ADP just feels way too low to me. Yep. Or a player who has the right skill set or opportunity that he could, could, could have a legitimate impact this season. Um, Baked into the idea of being a sleeper is that the floor is really low. Yeah. Right. I'm not telling you that you can innately trust this player. I am just telling you that if a few things go right, you could hit and you could win big. And think about all the sleepers over the years that have been the stars of fantasy football. Right. I mean, like Ramondre Stevenson last year, what kind of buzz is he generating to, during the preseason? A little bit, but not a not whole a lot. Top, right? right. Not the you know, top. I think he was what RB six or something last yeah. year. So um, I can't guarantee you that we're going to have one of those every season, but we're going to do our best to give you some names that I think are at least worth keeping an eye on as we go through the remaining two or three weeks of drafts. All right, so let's start at the quarterback position. Desmond Ritter only had four starts last year, Field yeah. Yates, but I think exactly what you said, and I love this call on Desmond Ritter. I'm totally with you. Really? He has, Yeah, he has okay. two things. When I'm thinking about exactly what you said about a sleeper, he's got two things. I think he's got a situation. Okay. He's surrounded by really good skill position players mm-hmm. and Kyle Pitts and Drake London and Bijan Robinson and his ability to potentially use his legs. Those are the two things I think give him sleeper value here. But why do you like Desmond Ritter? So, okay. So first of all, um, at the quarterback spot, pretty much every name is so well known, right? Yeah. We've talked about every quarterback in depth, not just on this podcast, but everywhere, right? Quarterbacks move the needle. Yep. Uh, so Desmond Ritter probably has been under discussed on this show. And I'm actually less, um, motivated by the players around him and more motivated by the fact that he's an awesome runner going back to college. And I get that that's two seasons ago, but during his uh, four years at Cincinnati, he had 501 rushing attempts did Ritter. He is a very, very capable athlete, not elite elite like Justin Fields, but very capable athlete. And there were five quarterbacks last season who had at least a hundred rushing attempts. Jalen hurts, Josh Allen, Justin Fields, and Daniel Jones All of those players were top 10 fantasy quarterbacks on a per game basis. Yeah. As we know, the Falcons, despite the additions of Kyle Pitts and Drake London over the past two drafts are perhaps the most run inclined team in the entire NFL. If Ritter gets the rush work that Marcus Mariota got last season, Mm -hmm. and it's just like a 20% better passer. Think about what Marcus Mariota was last season when he was kind of like right on the fringe of a startable quarterback in deep leagues. Ritter, I think, is 
about as capable as a runner. It should be. Doable. And if you get a better passing outlook from him, even if it's not a like, I don't expect him to throw the ball 35 times a game. Right. But if you just get competent quarterback play through the air for Desmond Ritter, then, yeah, he could break out this season. I'm now, pretty sure you would throw 20 percent better than what Marcus Mario did last it's year. It's possible. It is very possible, Daniel. It was an ugly, ugly watch last year. So obviously still not like super, super optimistic on Ritter because there no. are so many good options. I've got him like quarterback 23, but still a name to know that like if you look at the guys who are ranked somewhere between like 19 and 27, I think he's the best athlete or one of the best athletes amongst those quarterbacks and rushing ability is the clearest path for a quarterback to take off. I'm with you. If there was a quarterback deep into the season, you were saying, boy, I need a bye week filling at the QB position. Yep. It's very possible that Desmond Ritter could be someone like that in one of those leagues. All right, let's talk about running backs here field. You got a couple of late names on this one. Obviously we're talking sleepers. You yep. got Ty Chandler and Rashawn Johnson. Obviously these guys more actually Evan oh, Hall. You got another one. Another yeah, one. Evan Hall. So, Oh, all right. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll throw it in there, but I'll, I'll try to be quick on these. I'll, I'll lump Evan Hall in there just because, and these guys all fit into the same category. They feel like insurance backs to me. Well, so I, th- I think it's hard to find a sleeper at running back because we are constantly espousing the virtues of a really good one, right? So yep. everybody knows all the really talented running backs. What these three guys have in common is that I don't know that the current starting running back on this team's roster is a guaranteed lock to hold that job for the entire season. Wow. Quickly, let me go through it, right? So Ty Chandler backs up Alexander Madison. While I have Madison as a top 20 play, like, have we talked about this? Are we sure that Madison is a, a stone-cold lock as a starter for the full year? I don't think we are. I'm inclined to believe he is the starter, but until we see it for a full season, like, guys have gotten benched before. Roshan Johnson, who, by the way, looked pretty good for the Bears over the weekend in their preseason game against the Colts, plays in a crowded backfield for the Bears. So it would take multiple guys like not being that good or getting injured. But I thought Roshan Johnson was awesome as a player in college. As a matter of fact, he averaged 3.97 yards after contact, which was uh, actually the best in the Big 12. Number two. B. John Robinson, his teammate and the guy who he actually backed up in college at 3.90. Like if Roshan Johnson had not gone to Texas and instead had gone to a school that did not have an eighth overall pick running back, Mm -hmm. I think he would have been like a maybe second round pick, maybe even a third round pick, a guy that we'd be talking about in a different light. Last one is Evan Hull and fifth round pick out of Northwestern who's been playing a decent amount so far this preseason. All I would say is that until Jonathan Taylor returns, we obviously have to imagine the possibilities of who could be the starting running back for the Colts. I'm not sure this offense is going to lend itself to a big running back output if it's not Jonathan Taylor. But like <laughs> the competition right now, you know, we're talking about Kenyon Drake and Deion Jackson and Jason Huntley. Is right? Zach like, Moss going to be in that category once he comes maybe, back from injuries? Yeah, but obviously being like banged up right now. But so. none of those names give you any sort of like fear whatsoever. Like you obviously want Jonathan Taylor to be there, but if he's not like. I'd give me the young kid that like I'd rather see than these guys that we haven't seen it from. Yeah, That's just me. names that again, it's names that are in situations where I'm not certain that current starter is going to be the starter for the full year. And that's what you're looking for from a running back sleeper. Because like if you I'll just give an example here, right? Like there are other spots where if you told me that as an, this is just an example here, right? Like if you told me that Devin Singletary was your favorite running back sleeper, I'm not disagreeing with the idea that Devin Singletary is a pretty good player, 
But it would mean that like something pretty significant happens to Damian Pierce. It would mean that Damian Pierce is not the guy that we think he is, right? Like we have a season of Damian Pierce being a legit starter. I'm in big, by the way, on Damian Pierce this season. Yeah, we'll talk about him a little bit. We just haven't seen other guys in the situations that I mentioned star yet. And that to me is the reason why I have these as potential sleepers. So I think this one is still interesting. We talked about this a little bit last week. All right. I want to ask you about Alexander Madison. Okay. Because again, every single time, Right. I'm listening to fantasy podcasts. I'm watching fantasy shows. Dalvin Cook goes down. Guys, Alexander Madison is a top 10 running back this week with Dalvin Cook being out. The idea that this potentially is, you know, he's not listed higher either in our rankings or there's at least question marks. Is there more reason for that than we just haven't seen it over a full season? Is there a reason like have the Vikings given any indication that they don't trust Alexander Madison? Or is this just a hey? similar to Tony Pollard, but not exactly Tony Pollard, until you've seen it for a, a, a full season, there's always going to be some question marks as to how someone can do it over the consistency of 18 weeks. Yeah, So you, and we brought this up, I think it was last Thursday or Friday, in yep. the similar context of Alexander Madison, but it's just sort of bears repeating. When you say, like, if something happens to Dalvin Cook in, like, week six, he would have been a top 10 running back, um, I noted that, like, before the season, we feel good about a lot of running backs. That number will shrivel pretty quickly once the season begins because guys just won't perform or they'll get hurt or any number of factors can contribute to players' value going down as opposed to players going up, players' value going up. So it's a fair question. I just... I'm not out on the current starters in those situations right now. It's more that, like, you're looking for a sleeper. Like, every... We've talked about every name already, right? Like... The pathway to being a sleeper is, um, you know, it's, it's like something happening that is currently unforeseen. And like I said, I don't think Damian Pierce is going to get benched. I don't think Ramondre Stevenson is going to get benched. I don't think that Travis Etienne is going to get benched, right? I think, though, that it's because we haven't seen it from Alexander Madison, the chance that Ty Chandler takes over is larger than the chance that a guy in a different backfield takes, takes over, over where the starter is just way more entrenched. Okay. All right, let's move ahead and talk about some rookie wide receivers here. These guys seem like late season potential breakout options for you, Field. That's always kind of what we're looking for, right? With these rookie wide receivers, not early season production, but later season production. You have been in on Jordan Addison, I feel like, all offseason. I'm just going to give you the floor. Talk about why you like the kid. Yeah, so uh, I think that Addison has the most clear path to production amongst the first four picks uh, amongst or the first wide receivers that were drafted. They were taken in succession 20, 21, 22, 23. And uh, yeah, I'm in on Jordan Addison. I think the player is really talented. Um, the opportunity to take over the Adam Thielen vacated target role, to me, is pretty enticing. Thielen had 109 targets last year. That was 31st in the NFL. So uh, this was also a very pass heavy offense. 73% of Minnesota's yards came through the passing game last season. That was the fourth highest mark in the NFL. They want to run it. Now, part of that was because they were constantly in shootouts last year. Have you seen their secondary recently? I have not. No one has. It doesn't exist. They they have a terrible secondary. Like I expect them to be in a very, very similar situation this year where they are constantly playing high scoring games. I'm in on Jordan Addison. Sounds like the biggest detractors don't like some of the physical profiles. Mike mentioned he was a light player, like, like body weight wise. Um, 
who didn't run like a four two five or something, but I think he's like a route running savant expected back from the concussion protocol, maybe as soon as today. But to me, like a player that has star potential in this Minnesota Vikings offense, and it could be sooner rather than later. Yeah. Coming off the board right now in the 12th round. So that's pretty late. I mean, you're getting really good value there. If he turns into any of the things that you're talking about, yeah. 12th round is not somewhere a uh, spot where you're drafting someone to be a potential starter, but yeah. you can get a lot of value there. Also, Quentin Johnston. Yeah, first round pick. Oh, yeah, and these guys kind of check some of the same boxes. The The big thing with Johnston that we don't have with Addison is that like he's wide receiver three on his team, at least mm-hmm. to begin the year. You've got Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. This was a pick that I think was about helping the team in three wide receiver sets, but it's also about looking towards the future. I don't think that Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, especially Allen, are guarantees to be back next year, right? Like we could reach the inflection point for those two guys. I mentioned that only because we could be talking about Quinton Johnston is like a potential top 20 wide receiver going into next season, even if he doesn't have a monster, monster rookie season, but great quarterback, great offense, new system, and a guy who did a lot of his damage after the catch. Like he doesn't need to haul in some of those high variance throws down the field. He could turn the 15 yard throw and do a 50-yard play could Quinton Johnston. So I'm in on him as a late-round target. You know what's crazy what's that? about this offense is the fact that, and I realize he's just the odd man out now, but Josh Palmer still caught 72 balls last yeah. year. Yeah, yeah. Like, as a wide receiver four in this offense, I realize that there's not a lot that I'm excited about him this year for fantasy. Someone would have to get hurt. Yeah. But, like, they just have so many good pass catchers in that room. The idea that we haven't even seen Quinton Johnston and we're more excited about him than Josh Palmer, I just... There's a lot of upside in yeah, this potential but that, offense. That's, pre- that's pretty natural, though, right? Like it is. a first-round pick being more exciting than a third-round pick. If we saw Palmer take a bigger step last year when when both... They probably would have taken Johnson then. Exactly. They would have right. They would have probably passed and taken another position that would have helped this roster more. But these guys, when you're talking about guys like this, right, you're looking at the situation like Christian Watson from last year, a rookie wide receiver that breaks out down towards the stretch near the fantasy playoffs, or a guy like Amon Ross St. Brown the year before. Yeah. These rookie wide receivers that put it together towards the back half of their rookie year and they start, you know, gaining a little bit of buzz because you're excited about Amon Ra, maybe not quite as much because yeah, these yeah. were first rounders, but still. Yeah, no, I mean, I think these guys, like, in, in, in the case of Johnson, I would be surprised if it happens right out of the gates. None of these guys are a guarantee. That's why we're talking about them in the sleeper portion of the show. <laughs> exactly. Um, and maybe it takes a little bit of time for Jordan Addison, but if I had to kind of cast my die on one rookie wide receiver who I expect to have a significant role right, right away, it's Johnston. I think Zay Flowers is probably like, nipping on his heels a little bit. I also like Zay Flowers, by the way. Um, but I think it's Johnston. I'm sorry, Addison. I may have just screwed that up. Oh, that's okay. I think Addison has yep. the most likely early role. I think that Zay Flowers could be right there as well. I think Johnston's going to take some time, but by the middle of the season, if he's wide receiver two in this offense, there could be a ton of value there. Absolutely. All right. Speaking of wide receiver two's field. Yeah. A lot of camp buzz around a handful of players that we have been excited about. One of them being Elijah Moore yeah. moving from the Jets now to Cleveland. We've been waiting to see what this Browns offense is going to look like with a hopefully like reinvigorated Deshaun Watson on the field. Because yep. last year while he was under center, they did not look fantastic. But you're taking a shot on a second wide receiver from this Browns offense. Elijah Moore seems to be the guy. So they cannot stop talking about him in Cleveland. Right they won't. Now. And then we've seen a ton of highlights. We have seen a ton of, of rhetoric from their head coach, Kevin Stefanski. I think Deshaun Watson's been very vocal in his praise for Elijah Moore. And they need a second receiver, right? They have DPJ, who is a good vertical threat, Donovan Peoples-Jones. Right. But besides Amari Cooper, that second wide receiver spot was a position of need this offseason. And 
he's good. Like Moore's a good player. He was buried last year. I'll tell you about just how buried he was in a second. But mm-hmm. remember, as a rookie in 2021, he looked like the real deal playing for a Jets offense that obviously wasn't very good. But I think there's a quarterback upgrade, obviously, compared to where things were last year. And we know that things were not great between Moore and the franchise. That's part of the reason why they were willing to trade a player yep. if they just took in the second round two years ago. But get this. Elijah Moore was targeted on 13% of his routes last season. 13. He ran over 400 routes last year. There were 62 players to run at least 400 routes. Elijah Moore was dead last in terms of target percentage. You know, they I just be, didn't use him. I at wouldn't all. be happy either if I right, was Elijah Moore. So he was dead last out of 62 wow. players to run at least 400 routes last year. Like I, I think that what the Jets couldn't get out of Elijah Moore. The Browns can. Now, there are some mitigating factors. Not going to have a ton of touchdown upside. Sure. And this is more of a volume play than this is a you know big play threat type of guy. But would not surprise me if at the end of this season, Elijah Moore's got 90 catches and we're all like, oh, yeah, I remember that guy that we all loved for the Jets two years ago. Christian Kirk. Is he this year's Christian Kirk? Um, that's possible. Yeah. I mean, Maybe not as because he's got Amari Cooper there. Christian Kirk didn't have someone. Yeah, but like, I like it's, that idea. It's not a terrible idea. I mean, By the way. Yeah. Wide receiver 55, Elijah Moore right now. Yeah. Coming off the board. In the, how many rounds are there in fantasy? 16 rounds in a 16 fantasy draft? typically, yeah. So he's coming off the board at the end of the 15th, so he's yeah. free. Pretty much all these guys are. These guys are all guys either, that if like, you, you know, were, round 10 and beyond. So right. a lot of these guys have very, very little downside in terms of opportunity cost. I want to ask you about Zay Jones, too. Another guy. I kind of feel like Zay Jones has sort of been left out of this list that we've been talking about, yep. right, when we're looking at players. Looking at wide receivers, three wide receiver sets last year, the Jaguars ran 705 plays in three wide receiver sets. That was just like right in the middle, 15th in the NFL. But he was really good last year with Christian Kirk. Is there a chance that maybe we're overlooking Zay Jones and that there's a chance that this offense could support three wide receivers? Not on a weekly basis, Mm. but you can have some spike weeks where Zay Jones could still be usable. Yeah, so this is actually less about the possibility of this offense supporting three wide receivers weekly and more about the idea that we think it's Calvin Ridley Mm -hmm. and Christian Kirk as the top two receivers. We do. Zay Jones is a good football player. What if he is a top two wideout for them? And by the way, there were times earlier this preseason when there were starters on the field for the Jaguars and in those two receiver sets... Calvin Ridley, Zay Jones. So you're getting him for free. And he could be, could. And I don't think that there's any scenario in which one of Christian Kirk, Calvin Ridley, or Zay Jones is totally buried. And they become like 20% playtime players. But if Zay Jones ends up as the second leading target getter amongst Jaguars wide receivers this season, and you're getting him for free... That, to me, would be a massive steal. And we've just, all offseason, we've been talking about Calvin Ridley 1, Christian Kirk 2. Zay Jones is a very serviceable football player. He was great for the Raiders back in 2021, turned that into a legitimate contract with the Jaguars in 2022, and played awesome last year. He had over 80 catches and 823 receiving yards, so he was 21st in targets last year. Maybe, maybe Christian Kirk renders him entirely moot, I'm sorry, Calvin really renders him entirely moot. I would just be surprised by that along those lines. I mean, if there was ever a time where his value was at its lowest after a really good season, right now is that time. That seems crazy to me. And maybe talk, you can talk me out of this. 
But like one of the things we talk about all the time is follow the money, follow the money, follow the money. Like they yeah. paid Christian Kirk real money to be a huge part of this offense for him to not like part of my thought process is do we just roll three more three wide receiver sets and we see a little less Evan Ingram than we did last year? I don't think so. I mean, I think you're going to see those four guys on the field a, a lot. Bunch. Yeah, it's going to be a those lot. four. A lot. Yep. And that's a great starting four, by the way, amongst pass catchers. Like they have one of the best supporting casts in the entire NFL. There was a first round wide receiver last year that we liked in little snippets yeah. named Jahan Dotson. This year he's going to get Sam Howell from the football field. It's another one of those guys that just like everyone else, I've been excited about that potential maturation process, but with Sam Howell, there's a little bit more of a question mark, obviously though, potential yeah. sleeper here with the skill set that he brings to the table. Yeah. So he's obviously going later in drafts is Jahan Dotson. He is a total stud though, as a player. And this is a fairly crazy nugget. Um, if you look at all the players in the NFL with at least 25 catches, I get it. That's a low bar to clear, but of the players with at least 25 catches last season, yep. Jahan Dotson had the most fantasy points per reception. That was 3.75. That's the sixth highest by any rookie over the past five seasons. Now, the efficiency was in part off the charts because he kept scoring touchdowns, but yeah. 16th pick in the draft last year. If this offense is just competent, Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson can survive. I know that Curtis Samuel is a really unique player who was very useful for the for the commanders at times last season. I kind of feel like the days of us wondering whether this is a three wide receiver approach are yeah. a little bit behind us. Like, I'm bullish on Jahan Dotson. Obviously, we're all bullish on Terry McLaurin going into this season. So I think Dotson deserves some recognition as a low end wide receiver for that could pay off in a significant way. I tried so hard. I wanted I wanted Samuel to be like a legitimate option last year. And it just, it felt like it happened. The weeks that I wanted it to happen was never the weeks that it happened. And the yeah. weeks that it did happen was the weeks that I wasn't starting him in my fantasy roster. He's a pretty unique player. I think that that's in some ways though, been one of the defining stories of his of career. He right? Like he's yeah. had pockets where he was awesome. And then pockets where he goes completely radio silence. And for a fantasy manager, you rarely know when those actually take place. I feel it's impossible not to look at this list and just see a bunch of youth on here. I also really quickly want to talk about Romeo Dodd. Okay, go for it. I feel the same. It's not as much as Elijah Moore, but yeah. I am still on in uh, on the Romeo Dobbs bandwagon over Christian Watson. I feel like there's been a, still a ton of camp buzz. He has been fantastic when he has been used by Jordan Love. He has four catches throughout the preseason. Those four catches, each one was a touchdown. Mm -hmm. Three were first downs. Yeah. Give me the guy that is going to be that short range target that also, again, it's free. This kind of feels like I know I've been arguing with Mike Clay about this. This, what was that running back that Matthew and Mike used to argue about all the time that Matthew was like, no, I'm just saying like he costs you nothing and I like him a lot. And Mike was like, Kalen Balazs. Maybe he's like oh, my really? Kalen Balazs okay, yeah. where it's like he costs you nothing. He's yeah. free at the end of drafts. I'm not even saying you need to draft Romeo Dobbs. Yeah. But I like him with what the Packers are doing with him here in this offense for Jordan Love as a potential short-range target. I'm just okay. going to keep saying Interesting. That. I might like Jaden Reed more amongst the Packers I, wide receivers. You can not talk me Christian into Jaden Reed. Okay, but these are these are sleepers. These are lottery tickets. Yeah. All right. Are the, can you have sleepers at the tight end position? Sure, too? you can. Yeah, I mean, and I'll be quick here because uh, we've talked about uh, at least two of these players quite a bit. Um, Hunter Henry. Yep. For the Patriots, uh, I know Mike Kosicki is still on the mend right now from what's a shoulder injury. Henry's had one of the best training camps amongst all the Patriots pass catchers. Had some solid touchdown upside in the past. Luke Musgrave is really interesting here. He's played every snap with Jordan Love on the field so far this preseason. They did draft two tight ends in the top three rounds. Mux Musgrave in the second round, and then in the third round, Tucker Kraft from San Diego, uh, excuse me, South Dakota State. Um, but 
Musgrave looks apartment, great athlete who has been the buzz of Packers training camp. And then Dalton Kincaid, I've been talking about this since the beginning of the podcast season. Awesome athlete, uh, very, very good offense. Could he be the Bills' second or third pass catcher? I know that Bills' second or third pass catchers have not always paid off yeah. in prior seasons, but... We've been trying to make that a thing. We have been, uh, but you're getting for free, right? And <laughs> Again. If I'm looking for a sleeper tight end, especially for a rookie tight end, which we know do not have a great history, I'm looking for premium athletes with a chance for a whole bunch of touchdowns. And uh, in the case of Dalton Kincaid, that's certainly the case because the Bills offense is just that good. I agree. I love Dalton Kincaid this year. And here's one of the weird things about it. Okay. I don't like rookie tight ends. I don't want to draft rookie yeah, tight I mean, ends no in one fantasy, does, right? right? Like, but this is a situation where, again, there's just been a lot of camp buzz from that tight end position. If you want to wait at that position or just grab a second guy, just wait all together. If I'm grabbing like a Pat Fryermuth or, or someone later on and I want to grab someone like Dalton Kincaid to double up on the position, see which one shakes it out. Like, I really like that spot this year. Yeah, yeah, I'm... I'm I th- Fryermuth, I would consider just like I might be. I might have to be a little bit further down than like and the Fryermuth tier before I start to invest in a second tight end. But there are crazier thoughts than doubling up with a guy in Dalton Kincaid who has that much talent. Seems like there's a lot of upside. All right, Field, we're going to be back and talk about some busts and breakouts in okay. a second. But first, tell us about our friends at Geico. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? I would love it. Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help, like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV, even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more. And Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you can save. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com or contact your local agent today. Football is back. Catch every pass, every tackle, and every heart-pounding play live and in person thanks to our go-to ticket source, Vivid Seats. Vivid Seats delivers great deals on great seats, and they have your back with their 100% buyer guarantee. Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code FFF. That's code FFF. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. All right, Field Jace, let's talk about some busts here. I never like talking about busts because I don't want to be the negative guy in the show. But every year there are guys that sort of maybe don't live up to expectations. You're trying to like look ahead to be like, what are some situations where, all right, maybe I got some not great feelings about this. Doesn't pass the vibe check. So let's talk about the concept of a bust. Yes. You are being asked to find a player that you have ranked very high that you also think might not be very good. You know, that sucks, doesn't that, it? Well, no, it's, it's just well, not separate, fun. It, well, it's just, it's sort of counterintuitive, right? <laughs> a little bit. Okay, so you have this guy really like, highly that's why ranked. I have him ranked there. But you don't think he's going to be very good this year. Why would you have him ranked very high if you think he's going to be bad? Groupthink. Right. Well, uh, that's why you have him ranked high, you're saying? Yeah, I'm just saying, like, in the, across the industry, I think a lot of times groupthink is a part of that conversation. No, I mean, I think that, I, that that's, I think groupthink definitely does contribute to players being ranked where they are. But I would say more than anything, Daniel, I think it's matter that, like, um, the term sleepers, bust, and breakouts are as trendy and juicy of topics as we have yeah. in fantasy football coverage. So obviously people are going to be asking, who are your busts for this season? So I'm going to try to lay out the case for why I have players ranked as starters at their position that I also think might have a lesser margin for error 
than players ranked similar to them. You know, it's not crazy. This first one we're going to talk about, I don't think it's even that difficult. I can see both the uh, the range of outcomes here on Deshaun Watson this year, Field Yates. I could see him being a top five quarterback. I could also see those struggles continuing like we saw last year. Yeah, I mean, let's talk about Deshaun Watson a season ago, who is my pick for a quarterback bust, even though I have him as quarterback, <laughs> quarterback nine. Eight, nine. Okay? okay. Last year, upon his return, and that was obviously after an 11 game suspension, yep. plus a full season being away. Yep. He averaged eight. He averaged 14.3 fantasy points per game. That was 18th amongst quarterbacks. The quarterback just ahead of him was Mac Jones, who think about Mac Jones and that disaster of an was, offense last season yeah. still was better than Watson in the final five games. There were 31 quarterbacks that qualified for total QBR from the weeks that for the weeks that Deshaun Watson played. Okay. There was only two quarterbacks that had a lower QBR than Deshaun Watson upon that return. Mike White and Baker Mayfield. He averaged 6.5 yards per attempt last season. That was dead last amongst quarterbacks. Gee, that was 36th amongst quarterbacks with at least 100 passes That's last year. Worse than dead. Dead last is 32nd. Yeah, I don't even, yeah. Well, yeah, I, there I might know. be more than had 100 passes last year, but the point is that Deshaun Watson played horribly Not upon good. his return Correct. last season. Obviously, there, there, is, there are two sample sizes of Deshaun Watson's career. Prior to playing with the Browns, when he had a quarterback one season on a points per game basis with the Houston Texans. Yep. And there is the Cleveland Brown sample. The Cleveland Brown sample is extremely disconcerting. The Texans example and sample size is very encouraging. That's why I have him as quarterback nine, but make no mistake about it. If you're looking for like safety and support, you ask me what I think is more likely Deshaun Watson having a below average fantasy season or Kirk cousins who I have ranked lower than Deshaun Watson. And the answer is Watson. I think Kirk Cousins floor is higher than Deshaun Watson's floor. That's the evaluation you have to make when you're debating whether or not to leave your draft with Deshaun Watson as your starting quarterback. When you say that, and we're talking about where this might fall apart, are you thinking about this offense might not work because we're not going to see Deshaun get like back to using his legs the way that we saw prime Deshaun do? Do you think that there's passing game like usage that's going to be a problem here? Or is it just like in general, you think this Browns offense isn't going to flow the way that we're expecting with a guy that could be a top five you quarterback? Know, I would say this is that like last year he did run a decent, I, I'll pull the uh, the exact number. It was 36 rushing attempts last season for okay. Deshaun Watson. And he upon had six returning. games last year? That was six. So okay. 36, he averaged 4.9 yards per carry, which uh, that's fairly close in his last two seasons with the Texans, 5.0 and 4.9 yards per carry. So okay. the rushing part was fine. It's that the passing took a massive dip. Remember in Houston, he was the yards per attempt God, 8.3, 8.2, 7.8, 8.9 .8, during his four seasons with the Texans playing. 6.5. I've mentioned that numbers a minute ago. Like yes, it was did. dink and dump. There is lots of talk about this Browns offense trying to look more like what it was in Houston, but for a player who completed 58% of his passes with a 6.5 yards per attempt, the question remains right now, can Watson get back to being an elite thrower? If not, he's going to bust. All right, I'm going to move ahead. I had a player here, but we don't need to talk about him. If okay. That's all right. He's a little farther on this list. Okay. We got a bunch of guys we got to get to. I'm going to talk about J.K. Dobbins field. Yeah. J.K. Dobbins is such a hard one for me from a bus perspective. Why? Because I don't want to say it, but I really feel it pretty hard in my heart. Okay. Yeah. Like, I, I don't I, think that's that. That's not too crazy to me. Make the I, case. So J.K. Dobbins, 
has missed more games in his NFL career than he's played. Okay. Right. Currently okay. unhappy with his contract situation, which is a really tough thing when you've missed more games in your career than you have and played. And you want a new deal. That's and you typically want new... not how it works. It, it doesn't work yeah. out super great that way. All right. We know that he has been uber elite when he has been healthy and on the field. 5.9 yards per carry since entering the league. 5.9. Yeah. Almost six yards. That's like a college stat. But it's just like... There is no more positivity for me after that. He doesn't catch passes. He doesn't score 20. He scored 20 fantasy points twice in, a, in his entire career. He's never, never had 20 touches in a game. And 20 touches as a running back is sort of like that prime number. If you can get to that point, you feel like he's going to be one of those guys. Sure. I'm just out on J.K. Dobbins with the no pass catching, with the inability to stay healthy, and the thoughts that maybe Lamar Jackson and this Ravens offense are going to be a little different than we saw last year or the year before. Like, I just... I'm not in on it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think I have a lot of the same points that you are making. I will point to the passing game utilization though, most specifically since Lamar Jackson became a starting quarterback. Yep. The most catches by a running back over a full season. Okay. From the Ravens. Yep. Mark Ingram with 26 back in 2019, 26 over the course of a full season. That's like a quarter of McCaffrey or Austin Eckler. So in order for let's assume that remains the case, because as we have talked about a million times this year, running quarterbacks are much less inclined to throw don't dump off to the running backs yep uh and then then non then you know the the then the statues then the, the Kirk the, cousins and the matthew staffords yeah, exactly and those guys. Yeah. right those guys chuck the ball to the running backs a lot um I don't think that's going to change for J.K. Dobbins this year. I'd be surprised if that number pushed 45 or 50 receptions beyond the injury concerns, beyond the crowded backfield concerns, which now includes not just Gus Edwards, but also Melvin, Ing- uh, Melvin Gordon, who's got a real chance to make this roster. I mean, he's got he signed a real deal with them this offseason. So, yeah, I also have J.K. Dobbins as my running back bust. Not in on that this year. All right, let's talk about some wide receivers here, Field. We mentioned when DeAndre Hopkins signed with the Tennessee Titans. Yep. He's going to be the obvious wide receiver one there. Not my favorite offense for him to go to field because of what they potentially, I mean, they're just such a run heavy team. You have him here on the potential bus list. Why do you have that? Yeah. So I think that what's really important to note is that most of the players that we see bust in recent years have either been guys that we have never seen it before and we just get too excited about them. Yep. Good example from last year, if you consider him a bust, would be Gabe Davis, right? Make him a top 20 wide receiver going into the season on paper. He checks a lot of boxes, but we had never seen it before from a guy who was a fourth round pick. Mm-hmm. Other side of it. And but so I'm, I'm, I'm mentioning that that did not see it before and a fourth round pick thing, because like when you fall to like pick 113, the NFL is telling you it's not a guarantee this player is going to become a star, yep. right? Obviously, we've never seen it before with Bijan Robinson, but Bijan was the eighth overall pick, and a lot of teams had him as one of the five best players on their boards. It's just he plays running back, right? So it's a different category, Bijan vis-a-vis Gabe Davis going into last season. The other case where we often see busts are where guys get caught up with age in a hurry. On the good side of DeAndre Hopkins, last year he was absolutely mashing when he came back. So there were some signs of physical decline. We have seen some signs of physical decline. He has not been exactly the same player in recent years as he was during his apex with the Texans. However, this is an entirely different offense that you just alluded to. This is an offense that is going to run the football as much as anybody not named the Atlanta Falcons. The offense still goes through Derrick Henry. And over the past five years... Think about some of the great receivers, either in terms of skill or name, the Titans have had. A.J. Brown, yep. they traded for Julio Jones, was supposed to be a big-time player supposed for this to. offense, right? 
Robert Woods last year they traded for. And, and I was optimistic on Robert Woods going into last season. Traylon Burks was a first-round pick last year. Over the past five years, they've had just one, one top 25 wide receiver. Yikes. And that offense, I think, is pretty emblematic of what it's going to be this upcoming year. So if you're looking at players, I've got Hopkins right inside my top 20. Not totally out on him, to be clear, to reiterate the theme of this segment. But yes, if you told me at the end of the year that DeAndre Hopkins, who, remember, when he got cut, it was because the Cardinals could not find a trade partner for him. And while he took two visits, there was no mention of a visit to go to the Chiefs or the Bills, anybody besides the Titans and the Patriots. The offer he ended up signing was pretty solid, $13 bucks a year, right? But like, we're not talking about an overwhelming contract for DeAndre Hopkins. The NFL told us a little bit about how they feel about D-Hop. Maybe that's what we'll see this year. Maybe this is the next version of Julio Jones. Here's what I would love to see. Okay. I would love to see DeAndre Hopkins. And because I, I, I have all those same fears that you've alluded okay. to. Um, nobody saw more stacked boxes last year than Derrick Henry. Not going to change. So if you have a guy like DeAndre Hopkins and they're putting eight men, eight men plus in the box, like Ryan Tannehill, please just do what we're all asking. Please just force no, feed the why? ball to. What, I would D-hop? to D hop. Yeah. Well, I think the Texans uh, Titans would say, why Derrick Henry gets stacked boxes and then runs for 1500 yards a season, right? Has uh have they won any Super Bowls during that? No, come on. You sound like a Twitter reply guy. I right do. Now, right. right? Yeah, Where it's yeah. like, you know, I'll, I'll like, I'll post a highlight of like, or whatever. Like, you know, you post a stat or a highlight or I made a comment about somebody recently. It was like, I wonder if I can pull it up from my recent tweets. So if I can get TweetDeck open. Does TweetDeck still exist? Uh, um, it exists, but maybe not in the same way that you knew it feels. Uh, yeah, I had some, I, I had some like very innocuous tweet, right? It was something about like an awesome player who like, um, geez, oh, man, I can't think of it right now, but it was like, oh, I don't know, Debo Samuel or Amon Ross. It was Amon Ross St. Brown, right? And it was like, you know, Amon Ross St. Brown's going to miss, you know, a couple days of practice expected back. And somebody was like, never won a Super Bowl. He stinks. Okay. Well, like, okay. Great. Like, thank you for your insight right there. I'm glad right. to know that Amon Ross St. Brown, two into his two years into his career, <laughs> has not won a Super Bowl, he so he stinks. Bowl. Right. Like, um, Titans last year had two wide receivers, had two 100 yard games from wide receivers. All I'm saying yeah, is, of course, they're in a spot where they could, like DeAndre Hopkins, could come in and totally smash. I just don't know all the. I have him as wide receiver 19 as well, but those fears exist for me because of everything, the situation that you laid out. Here. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And so, yeah, and by the way, while the Titans have not won the Super Bowl, they've been the number one seed in the AFC at least once over the past few years, and that was when they were running the football a ton with both Derrick Henry and Deontay Foreman. Yep. All right. I'm going to really quickly talk about Debo Samuel. He's another wide receiver that I have as a potential bust That's this year. That's a spicy one. I like it, it really is. Yeah. All right. So here's the thing. We're looking at Debo Samuel. Obviously, 2021 Debo was fantastic. He had 10 targets over his first 10 targets a game over his first eight games. Then over his final eight games, totally different player to a huge rushing load. Yep. I did not see the same thing in 2022. And I am nervous that he is not going to get back to being that same player in 2021 because okay. a guy named Christian McCaffrey mm. is now in the backfield. I don't see Debo Samuel running the ball. That rushing value just cratered once CMC got there. Only 96 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns. Once Christian McCaffrey joined this team, he was only seeing seven targets a game once CMC got here for a guy that's being drafted as a top 15 wide receiver, knowing that so much of his value was coming from his legs. Seven targets isn't quite enough for me. So I am out on Debo this year because of all the different pieces that they have in this offense and the question mark that they have in Brock Purdy under center. I have him closer to like 
wide receiver 23, I think, than a so top 15 guy. I will take all your Debo shares instead. They're That's all mine. Fair. I'll have every single one of them. Yep. I don't think there's as many question marks about Brock Purdy as apparently you do. I think Brock Purdy is going to be that starting quarterback. And yeah, he's he going to be fine. Th- and he's going to yeah, throw 15 touchdowns. And that's great. Like 15 yeah, touchdowns. Just like Jimmy Garoppolo used to do when Debo Samuel was wide receiver one for a full season. He did that I one am time. counting on the 49ers getting the most out of Debo after a year that I think both sides would admit last year, Debo was on himself and the 49ers did not do enough to get out of Debo Samuel. I think this is a reset year for Debo Samuel. I am optimistic on Debo this year. We already, we already have a board bet. We so already we can, have a board yeah. bet. Yeah, we can keep moving on from this. All right, let's talk about Dalton Schultz. Dalton Schultz last year field. Everyone loved Dalton Schultz in Dallas, catching passes from Dak Prescott. Now he moves on to Houston, potential yeah. safety blanket for C.J. Stroud. Doesn't have the same warm and fuzzies that we had last year. That would be accurate. And we talk about chemistry between players a lot. We, you know, guys posting you know, pictures on Instagram That's with right. each other and stuff that. like that. Or spending off-season workouts in Florida when it's, you know, a million degrees out. But look, they're grinding all their life to get this work done. Um, but the chemistry between Dak Prescott and Dalton Schultz was real. Mm-hmm. A lot of the chemistry is just like social media crea- creation. Uh, over the past three regular seasons, with Dak Prescott under center, Dalton Schultz, 6.3 targets per game, 47.9 receiving yards per game, and 12.1 fantasy points per game. He scored a ton of touchdowns with Dak. That's great as a Off the end. field, 4.7 targets per game, 27.9 yards per game, and just 6.7 fantasy points per game. Couple that with an offense that... You said off the field. You mean when Dak was not available, not when Dak was off the field. Okay. Dak was, you know, her with Cooper time and stuff like that. Um, This offense is going to get there one day with CJ Stroud. He has shown some pretty unique stuff so far this season. He's also looked like a rookie, which by the way, it's no fault of his. That tends to be what happens when you are literally a rookie. I am a CJ Stroud believer. It's going to take some time. Super tough franchise as well. Like you can't, you're coming into the number two overall pick as the rookie quarterback on a yeah. team that is pretty devoid of talent. Like it's going to yeah, take a minute. Like it's going to get there. And I'm actually like, I like the foundation of the offensive line. They're starting to put together some pieces around CJ Stroud, but it's going to take some time. And I think as a result of that, somebody like Dalton Schultz is going to not benefit from this change of scenery. So Schultz would be my tight end bust. I like the player a lot. This one hurts me. I was like a Dalton Schultz advocate for a while. So um, <laughs> Schultz is a solid NFL player. Yes. I'm just not so sure that this offense is going to lend itself to a big year for him. That's fair. I think that's fair. If you want to talk about it from that perspective, maybe Dalton Schultz is the better conversation around. If you're going to grab a second tight end, someone like Dalton Kincaid, maybe that's yeah, the maybe kind of guy do, that you do a double with. Dalton. Yeah. Is oh. that a thing? Double Dalton, baby. Let's do it. I'm not against that. All right, let's talk about a couple of breakouts here. We got 10 minutes left. Here the, we get the vibes back up. Let's do this. <laughs> breakouts, I'll tell you what. I just wrote youth, youth, youth. Yeah. Everywhere on this list, breakouts are just about youth. Let's start at the quarterback position. Let's start there. Pretty yeah. easy, huh? Uh, from week nine on last year, this player was the fifth highest scoring quarterback, trailing only Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, and Justin Fields. Over that span, he had 15 passing touchdowns to two interceptions while averaging over 250 passing yards per game. Can you guess this player? Jared Goff. Close. Uh, Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence. Lawrence was awesome down the stretch last year. And like, this is so like obvious and logical, right? The guy who was billed as the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck. Yep. Gets a Super Bowl winning head coach. Yep. Good pieces around him. Competent offensive system comes into his own like this is what we expect like it, it it may not be long and maybe i'm getting ahead of myself but like 
it shouldn't surprise us if Trevor Lawrence is when we're doing like Madden ratings and that top 10 players by position list that does that, that Jeremy Fowler does every year. Oh yeah. Uh, like that there was like that two week span in the summer where people just get big mad online because their favorite team's favorite player doesn't make Jeremy Fowler's list, which Jeremy does not make himself. He asks people in the NFL to decide who the best linebackers are. So like when your team's favorite linebacker isn't mentioned, you're yelling at Jeremy Fowler, which is such a silly thing to do. He is not deciding these top 10 linebackers. Yell at the scouts and the coaches and the GMs instead. I don't know how you can do that, but just go yell at them. Anyways, I digress. Trevor Lawrence will be a fixture amongst top five or eight quarterback lists sooner than later. Yes. I'm all in on Trevor Lawrence, and I love him at cost. Right, You're getting him in the eighth round right now, a massive, massive value. One of the best values, I think, in, in fantasy right now at the quarterback position is Trevor Lawrence yep. this year. All right, let's talk about the running back position. I love a bunch of these guys. You got Jameer Gibbs on here. You got Tony Pollard on here. All in. Yep. I'm going to. All right. I'll quickly. But Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard finally is free of Zeke. Last year, he was running back 21 in touches. Do you know how efficient he was in spite of the fact that he was running back 21 in touches field? He was top 12 in rushing yards. He had 12 total touchdowns, top 10 in fantasy points. I don't expect the efficiency to continue the same way that we did last year. Yeah. But because of that increased volume, Tony Pollard to the moon. Is that a fair thing to say this year? To the moon. He actually led all running backs in uh, in yards per touch last season. Uh, he averaged 9.5 yards per catch. This is a college wide receiver. 9.5 yards. And how about this? You mentioned efficiency. That is, without a doubt, the word that best describes Tony Pollard. Third in running backs in terms of yards per rush, not touch, last season at 5.2. And this is a wild stat that Harrison, a researcher for the day, pulled up. Since 2000, there have been 333 individual seasons in which a player had at least a thousand rushing yards. Okay. Tony Pollard had a rush rate, which is percentage of teams carry of just 36.3% last year. That was 331st out of the 333 seasons with at least a thousand yards last year. Like this guy did the most with the least huge opportunity. There's no clear cut backup. I think it's Deuce Vaughn, but uh, who's been awesome in the preseason, by the way. He's on my short list for uh, preseason MVP. Um, I don't think Deuce Vaughn's a real threat to take significant work away from Tony Pollard. Nope. Great pass catching back. Offensive line that got its best player back in Zach Martin recently. Also, they should be able to generate some push for him. It's August 21st field, and we haven't I signed think that's right. We haven't signed another running back that's to right. this yeah. backfield. So Ronald Jones will miss the first two games if he even stays on this roster going forward. So yeah, clear, clear path to Tony Pollard being an elite. Like he could be even despite the fact that he was a top 10 running back last season. He could be one of the guys that is one of the biggest step forward players in all of fantasy. He's a breakout player for me. Jameer Gibbs also on that list. We want running backs that can catch the football. Over the past two seasons, no running back in FBS had more receiving yards than Jameer Gibbs. 914 receiving yards over the past two seasons. I'm going to reiterate something we talked about last week. Fantasy football, maybe your t- your league has some sort of nominal uh, award for like places fourth through eighth, right? Like you get a ribbon if you finish in fourth place. Like yeah. Maybe you get like a, you know, a meal voucher at the ESPN cafeteria if you finish in sixth place. Most leagues, you don't get anything for finishing fourth. You want players that can you know, scrape the moon in terms of their upside, and that is where Jameer Gibbs is because if the Lions utilize him, as you would expect the team, that right now, let's, I'll quiz you. You're the biggest Lions fan I know. Number one, number one wide receiver on this offense is? I'm on Ross St. Brown. Okay, number two is fill in the blank. Marvin Jones or Josh Reynolds? No, I, I, sorry, I should re- rephrase that. Number two pass catcher. 
Is it still Marvin Jones or Josh Reynolds? Oh, at that point? No, it's pro- honestly like I'd rather have probably Jameer Gibbs. I think right. he's going to be What if it guy. is Jameer Gibbs? Like what if Jameer Gibbs is second or third? Right now without Jameson Williams catches? missing the first six games of the season and yep. there's not a bunch of guys behind him. They've right. been talking about how they want to have David Montgomery in the backfield and be able to put Jameer Gibbs out wide and use him as the weapon that he is. Yeah. So, so what if Jameer Gibbs is second or third in targets for a Lions offense that throws the ball plenty? and has a brilliant offensive corner that should be able to get him the ball in space, which is what he does best. They use the 12th pick in the draft on him. Yep. People thought that they overspent to use that 12th pick in the draft on Jameer Gibbs. The lions immediately talked about how this is the one guy in the draft that checks the box that we were looking to check. Alvin Kamara has been the comparison they have not shied away from. Nope. When you are drawing Alvin Kamara comparisons and Kamara had 81 catches as a rookie, that to me has my attention all in on Jameer Gibbs. I'll mention one more because we got time. Uh, we don't have a lot of time left. Uh, James Cook. I continue to grow more and more excited about James Cook during the preseason. And yes, obviously Josh Allen's going to have a rushing role. And yes, the team did side Latavius Murray and uh, Damian Harris. But whether because of injury or just like age and effectiveness, it feels like James Cook has continued to shine more and more during the preseason. I am in on James Cook. I'm with you on that one. I really like James Cook as well. And he's pretty going like quite late as a running back because of the fact that everyone's afraid of, of this Josh Allen led offense. So it doesn't cost you a lot to be able to get him low, low. Uh, I want to find this here really quickly. He is going off the like board. 30, as, right? Yes. Okay. Somewhere right in that range. Oh no, let, actually he's, He's jumped quite a bit. Okay, there you go. Running back 24 right now. Okay, so people are more in line with how we feel about James Cook. Can I rip through some receivers now because we're so pressed on time? Yeah, as long as you skip the one in the middle. Uh, Okay, Uh, Garrett Wilson is not the one in the middle. We've talked about him a ton. I'm going to leave that short and sweet. Everybody knows how excited we are about Garrett Wilson. If we got just league average quarterback play last year, if he had literally league average in in terms of target off target percentage uh, and target, excuse me, Target efficiency, yeah. If he caught a league average percent of his targets last year, and that's often more reflective of the quarterback play and not the player, (laughs) he would have had 96 catches, 13 more than he actually did. Touchdown equity should be way up. His teammate, Chris Olave, been talking about him a ton. I'll have more on him later on this week, but he's been the best player at Saints training camp. Huge, huge things ahead for Chris Olave. Christian Watson, we talked about him. You yeah, might did. see him differently. Sorry, but I'm more on the Mike side <laughs> That's okay. than your side. Uh, George Pickens, who we discussed a little bit last I week love me as George. well. George Pickens, who, uh, as far as talent is concerned, has so much of it. Does he even know how to catch the ball with two hands, or can he only he do it with one? He just catches it with one. And how about this? Now, again, 50 targets is not a massive qualifier, but of all the players that had at least 50 targets of the 99 quarterback slash receiver duos of that had at least 50 targets between them. Kenny Pickett's to George Pickens produced the highest total QBR. Pretty crazy. 97.6. So good things tend to happen when you throw the ball George Pickens way. This is the last one. And I actually wanted to mention this one pretty specifically. And I know it sounds really, really weird because he was awesome last year. Devonte Smith. What? He was awesome last year. What if he gets better? Devontae Smith, uh, who was incredible. How? Because we see guys take steps all the time. He's going into his third year in the NFL. Defenses are obviously going to have to account for not just Jalen Hurts as a thrower and a runner, but obviously A.J. Brown. Like You can't say we're going to just stop one guy on the Eagles offense and expect them to not expose you. Like That's just impossible to do. So defenses are never going to be able to fully allocate their attention to Devontae Smith. 
really, really slow start last year. I think he had zero catches in week one was awesome from week 10 on. He was wide receiver seven, but he was good for most of last season. He led the Eagles in catches. I don't think it's that crazy that Devonte Smith could level up even more. He won the Heisman trophy. This is the most accomplished college receiver season that we have seen in like 25 or 30 years. That's how good he was during that final year at Alabama. I am. I believe it was, yeah, it was him and Mac Jones that year. that just totally just crushed the entire SEC and then eventually won the national championship. I'm in on Devontae Smith taking a leap forward. I, he's a top 15 wide receiver everywhere you look. It could end up being like wide receiver six by the end of the season. It's so crazy looking at these Eagles. Like they need, like they need to get better. Field. Yep. Like this is the reason why I'm, I'm not interested in this. Like I want Mike Clay to have even a better team. But like, no, it's it, pretty it, crazy, right? When you see AJ Brown standing on one side of the field, and then you see photos of Devonta Smith, it's like these two guys could not be more different in like their physical build, yeah. in spite of the fact that they're both unbelievable on the field for the Eagles. They are absolutely are fuego. If you don't get that reference, go check the Eagles Instagram account. Uh, very funny stuff there from uh, AJ Brown and also Devonte Smith and, a, and an official who called them Fuego. Fuego. I'm going to just quickly read this just because I think it's really fun. And then okay. we can end the podcast here. Eagles wide receivers to finish the year last year. Okay. Week 13, AJ Brown scored 31.9. Devonte Smith scored 21.2. Absurd. They scored 50 points between week 14, 17 points and 17.4. They both scored over 17 points in the fantasy playoffs. Week 15, 27.1 for AJ Brown, 17.6 for Devonta Smith. Again, over 17 points. Week 16, 16.3 for AJ Brown, 31.3 for Devonta Smith. They did not score less than 16 fantasy points. From weeks 13 to week 17, both of them in the same offense in the middle of the fantasy playoffs. This team is so good. Wait, by the way, that was without Jalen Hurts part of it, too, by the way. That was with their backup quarterback. You're right. So the offense is awesome. Uh, Two tight end breakouts. We've talked about them a bunch, but Chigo Conquo and also Greg Dolchitz. We've talked about each of those players enough, but uh, they have my attention this year. We're going to wrap things up, though, Daniel, with... Honestly, one of the coolest things that's happened to us in a while on oh my this gosh. podcast. So we mentioned the Veterans League last week, that's right. and we said send an email our way. Uh, I was wondering if we'd get enough responses to fill like maybe a ten team league. Um, right before the podcast that came on, we had three hundred and twenty seven people veterans reach out and say we want to play in the fantasy focus veterans league honestly it's it's like humbling beyond belief because uh there's no greater honor in our country than serving our country uh, as you of course have served our country so nobly and capably and uh the audience support is just off the charts we'll talk about this again probably tomorrow or the next day but frankly we're not sure what to do right now. Yeah, we're trying to uh, figure it out. It's a great problem. We are trying to figure out what to do because what we don't want to do is let a bunch of people down. We want to find a way to incorporate as many people that responded as we possibly could. Agreed. The reality is we don't have leagues at ESPN or anywhere that have 327 people in them. Next thing you know, you're drafting like me as your backup quarterback, right. which would not be a good thing for your fantasy football Still team. might be better so, than Marcus Mariota. Hey, take that back. Um, maybe actually. Maybe not. Um, <laughs> Anyways, the point is this, is that we are working through the various options. We are going to get back to you. Yeah. Uh, The veterans who incredibly overwhelming support, but just like I was touched this weekend as I I, I didn't have a chance to read every single one of the submissions. But I tell you what, if you want to see something impressive, go check out the uh, the inbox right now. There are some remarkable people that are so loyal. We can't appreciate you enough for listening to this silly podcast about fantasy football. So 
We're going to work on our plans a little bit more. Yep. We're going to get back to you, uh, but just like couldn't be more touched by 327 submissions. And I haven't even counted in the past two hours. You know, the hardest part is that it's going to be tough for me to be able to bring home a belt like we have here from Trophy Smack if we have 327 other veterans. I'm worried I'm not going to be the best veteran in this group. That's, field. Po- it's, but that's definitely possible. You know, I would say this is it's... um. It's. I think we could. What we could end up doing is trying to get as many people into multiple leagues here at the podcast. Hey, and then maybe we'll do something along the lines of a pick and pool for the veterans, and maybe part of the pick and pool will be those that, like the certain number of like you know top five or whatever it is, get automatic entry into next year's veterans league. Because oh, yeah, if we'll find- this weekend is any indication. We're going to have interest every single year going forward. Yeah. So uh, just a big thank you to everybody that did make their submissions uh, over the weekend. And uh, we're honored by it. We truly are. We really are. We really are. And this weekend was just fun all the way around. Between the veterans emails, we got to watch more football field. And you went to three country shows in a row? Uh, yeah. Well, one was actually not country last night. What? Here locally, Ripe. Love oh, our guys, right? Sort of a, uh, I saw a sign for ska music last night. Shut up. Old listener to the podcast. No ska. I was, Big ska I fan. didn't know until like two years ago. So shout out ska music. Shout out ripe. Shout out uh, podcast. Shout out concerts. And uh, shout out football because we are now 17 days away from 17 the NFL's days. first regular season game. So stinking Can't excited. Wait. We are going to be back tomorrow with some more exciting content. Tomorrow. It's going right. to be a ton of fun. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with us. Don't forget to love each other. We love you. What Be you kind to yourself. Again? I don't know what we're doing tomorrow. Do you know what we're doing tomorrow? Uh, we're talking hockey on the podcast tomorrow. Yeah, it's going to be something fun. Maybe we'll dive into some Boston College hockey. Okay, you that know? works. They're very good. Yeah, you know? uh, that'll be fun. What's Bucci's thing? What's the you know, it's college hockey? That's Col- right. College yeah, hockey. College hockey. Yeah. All right. On behalf of Field, my name is Daniel. We love you guys. Don't forget to love each other. Be kind to yourself. We will see you tomorrow when we come back and talk some puck. Sweet. If you need a stick of tide, Field is your guy. If you're in Bristol or in Farmington, you should find another ride. Candidly, he hates Mike Clay. And you know that it's a fact, every hater's gonna hate. Cause he's on TV every day. A spicy tomato got the stats and tweets that'll make you laugh he's our favorite host and everybody knows his name he's fierce